Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Black Baseball Mixtape. I am your host, Sheets, and this is Mixtape Talk. As always, these talks are brought to you by the Family Podcast Network. And joining me today is a very special guest. I've got Tyrone Brooks, Major League Baseball. I'm going to say this right. We were just laughing about this before we started recording, but it is front office and field staff senior director for the diversity pipeline of major league baseball did i get it right pretty close you pretty close <laughs> yeah pretty close senior, I tried director, so hard. i've been practicing senior director front office and field staff diversity pipeline program <laughs> uh, man i'm gonna tell you I, I was saying right before we jumped on that i i've been having conversations about black baseball for a year now i never get nervous I, I don't. I love talking to people. I love talking to people about baseball. I love talking to people about diversity and inclusion and all the things I love. And I never get nervous about it. However, when I started looking through your career, Tyrone, and I started looking through kind of what you are tasked with doing for Major League Baseball, I got a little nervous. <laughs> and I got a little nervous because I really do believe that I am speaking to, uh, if not the man, the man very, very close to the eye of the storm. When I say that, um, I mean almost responsible for, I mean, I guess so, heading a division that's responsible for increasing diversity at all levels of baseball, increasing women participation, black participation, all the things we read about in the news. It, it it is a it sounds like a daunting task. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to explain one the extra long title for one, and then <laughs> and then exactly tell the people uh, what you've been tasked with since 2016 of doing uh, for Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, Chiefs. You know, for me and for a lot of people, it started as kids, and that's where that's a big part of what the work we're trying to do is making sure kids get access to the game and having that chance to have people that they can look up to people that they can touch and feel and that are in our game and that want to engage them. You know, that, that is so important. You know, we've uh, got a lot of really great people that I get a chance to work with and collaborate with throughout. Uh, You know, my, my scope is mainly on the employment side, getting people into that aspect of getting into the game, starting jobs, Mm -hmm. looking at, you know, career, but there's so much that's so connected to it, which is a, a great part of my role. You know, I, I for you know, for a lot of people, you know, it started, you know, just playing the game as a kid. You know, I, I was five years old when I first started playing. And I and I think also just having that first opportunity to to be in a major league stadium is so pivotal. And I think back to when I was five years old. I got my first chance to go to a a major league game, which was in Baltimore. Was it, was it, it was Memorial Park? Memorial Stadium back in the day. <laughs> yeah, Memorial Stadium uh, back in 1979, which was a I great year it. for the Orioles. I love you it. Know, that year they ended up making the, made the World Series against the Pirates. And it's funny how my world with Pittsburgh and Baltimore crossed. That's right. Wrong, you can talk but, about that. Yeah. But uh, just getting a chance to – I still remember my very first game going with my, my dad, my mom, my brother – uh, and we're sitting like in the upper deck at Memorial Stadium. And the the one thing that truly resonates from that whole day and that experience, which I still get a chance to to bring up, is that when I looked out on the field 
I saw individuals on the field that looked just like me. And that's that's a huge thing. And that's where we got to continue to keep building toward and keep growing the game that way by kids seeing themselves reflected there on the field or and also in front offices as GMs, as, as owners. You know, but I remember back then during that time, and when I looked out, I saw Eddie Murray, I saw Ken Singleton, I saw Al Bumry, you know, I saw players that looked just like me. So for me, that made a huge impression on me. Uh, and Eddie Murray ended up being my, he's still my favorite player of all time. And, uh, and it's funny how with watching his whole career, being there as a kid and and wherever he went, I started following that club, you know, whether he went to the Mets, mm-hmm. went to the Dodgers, you know, working for Cleveland, he was with Cleveland, you know, uh, just was following his career because of the impact he had on me as a kid. And it's funny how it all kind of came full circle for me this past summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to the baseball hall of fame this summer for the induction ceremony. And for the first time in my life, and it took 40 plus years, but I finally met my my. Are idol. you kidding me? I met my idol. What? I met Eddie Murray there at the That's Hulk crazy. Down, uh, and it was, uh, you know, after they just had the parade and was in a like a reception they have there, which is really terrific. If any if anybody has access to that, it's it's terrific. And you know, seeing the people, the stars that I grew up watching, sure. and then having chance where Eddie Murray was right there, and I got to give a, a little assist to Latroy Hawkins, a good friend of mine. With the Minnesota Twins, who sure. had I told Latroy that this is one of the things I, I got to hopefully I can meet Eddie Murray this year finally. And when I walked in the reception area there, and while it was all going on, Eddie Murray was there when he was talking to Latroy, and it was like the timing was just perfect. <laughs> so I just rolled up right there. And oh my goodness! End up Latroy introduced me to Eddie right there, and I got and I always told myself. Try not to cry when that moment's gonna happen, you know. And I, I stayed strong. I was like, "How'd you do? How'd you do?" <laughs> it was, it was just wonderful. I just got a chance to just. T- I told him how, as a kid, I owe him to for giving me a love of the game and wanting to, to play the game. And uh, got a chance to tell him about some of the work that we're doing. And and uh, it just it, the toughest part was at the very end of my conversation with him was like, "Hey, you mind if we get a photo together?" <laughs> Yeah, you got to do it. Did you do just it? Had to, had to document it, you know. And, you got to do it. And, and a lot of my good friends have, have known over the years how much finally having this chance, how much it meant to me. Because I, I can remember even back in uh, right around, I want to say 1998 or 99, I remember having a chance to possibly meet him at one point when he was a hitting coach for the Dodgers at the time. And I was scheduled to maybe try to do it. Our general manager with the Braves, John Schultz, was going to make it happen. But it turned out I had a meeting I had to go to off-site that day. So I missed oh. that day when they were coming to play at our stadium during spring training. <laughs> but just, you know, that that was just something that I, I think it's so important that our kids have heroes that they can look up to and idolize. And, you know, our staff that we have that are involved on the baseball and softball side, uh, led by Tony Regans, who's our chief baseball development officer, uh, and his staff includes Del Matthews, who's a vice president of baseball development, uh, and David James, who runs a lot of our uh, youth stuff as well, with RBI included in that, uh, and the whole group that we have, Sarah Pata, who does a lot of our softball stuff. Just that, just being able to get kids access to the game is so vital. And and that's where I'm thankful that even with my role, I get a chance to collaborate with, closely with them. So a lot of our different events that we have during the course of the year, I get a chance to just start to lay a foundation and plant that seed 
with a lot of our young players that are starting their way, whether it's at the Hank Aaron Invitational, mm-hmm. MLB Breakthrough Series, you know, uh, for both boys and girls, getting in front of them and, and letting them know, hey, there's a career for you. You know, we want you to keep playing the game as long as you can and keep doing it until they take the uniform off of you. But if there's, an, you know, at some point, there's going to be an opportunity where we all have to do that. And But at least letting them know there's a pathway for you to have something as a career and stay involved in the game and something you can do something that you truly have loved since you were five years old and do it for the rest of your life, being a part of the game in some way, because there's so many different areas that are open and available to you to be a part of something, which is truly, truly bigger than ourselves. No, this is, this is perfect. And uh, one point of order. I, I, I also here in Richmond, Virginia grew up a diehard Orioles fan. Uh, Still am. And Eddie Murray, coolest cat. You know, I've never met him, but he's the coolest cat uh, that I've ever followed. He's, I can't say that he's – I'm of the generation where Griffey came. And and so, you know, that, that whole – like, I was one of those. But Eddie Murray was right before that, and I loved, loved watching watching him play. Um, I, I, I had a well-manicured Afro back in 1979, 1982, right at that time. Yeah. So, I was about to say. Like, sort of like Eddie at that <laughs> time. Well. I didn't want to get into it, but I was like, there's not a lot of five-year-olds that look like Eddie Murray, but like, I was like, but um, uh, you you touched on the employment piece, and I know that's the the uh, one of the areas that you're really, really focused on. You've had a uh, lengthy and highly decorated and stellar career in front office uh, for, through a couple of Major League Baseball organizations. Um, start with the noun, and I do want you to get into how how you got got started and as a as a young man, I believe it was early twenties or something like that, working in the front office. But when we look at this task of getting more uh, black people, getting more uh, diversity, getting more women in the roles of kind of the front office in regards to management, whether it's you know, in marketing or or even in food and beverage and even in ways where they can work their ways up and be ultimately an assistant GM, a GM, or even something more and greater. Um, where are we with that today? Because I often feel like perception doesn't necessarily match reality. I think there's a perception where uh, there's not a lot being done, and I go to I go to the websites at MLB. I see, I like I said, I follow you all around the country on social media. I see the work that's being done. So, and, and it's been being done. You've had this role since 2000. I want to say 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so where are we today with increasing diversity in the front office in the game? And and talk about a little bit about the initiatives that you have going on to do so. Uh, and then we'll backtrack and talk about how you yeah. how you got started. Yeah, you know, when you look at it from, you know, a biggest thing is making sure people have awareness that there's an understanding that there's a pathway for you to be a part of our game and to have a career. And, you know, uh, even and I'll touch base on it early on a little bit later, but, you know, even I didn't fully know what was out there, how to go about this process. And that's where uh, back in 2016, uh, I had been on the club side for 20 years with Atlanta, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And Commissioner Manfred was putting together a diversity pipeline program. And I initially was asked to be part of just an advisory committee that would be involved in overseeing the role. But when I got more into understanding what was they were trying to do, I was like, you know what? 
I, I've got to be a part of this. You know, I, I got to do something that is going to be one. It's just how can I impact the game, you know, from a really long term strategy and be a part of something that could really help just change the face of our game. And when I when I looked at that and I saw what they were trying to build out, I said, I've got to, I've got to be a part of this. And I had already been informally helping people, you know, even in my different roles when I was at clubs. Uh, I created a, a, a group on LinkedIn called the Baseball Industry Network that recently just went over 40,000 members. And that's amazing. You know, when I, I put that group back together back in 2009, you know, with the idea of trying to help people get one step closer to getting into the game, you know, no matter who you are, you know, race, whatever, background. But for me, this opportunity to to really make some inroads as far as getting people of color and women into opportunities in our game uh, within the baseball operations space to become future GMs future assistant GMs. That was something I just had to do. You know, the program, since it started, we've been involved in over 400 plus hires since the program started. And that's, we've made some really good strides. We've had over 120 hires just in 2022 alone. Uh, so that, that's been some really, really great progress. We went from 80 to 120, 120 plus, you know, in just a matter of a year. But part of that is just really understanding the little avenues of where you can get in the door. And that's where we're trying to educate folks on those opportunities and building awareness. Hey, you can come in through this internship or this different opportunity that's available, even if something that's part-time, uh, different ways to get yourself in the door. You have a love for the game. There is a place for you in this game. And part of my role, uh, it, it covers a lot of different aspects of being able to, you know, look at somebody's resume, reach out to them, connect with them, find out what they're passionate about, what things that they're really focused on, what they like to do. And sometimes it's just they haven't been fully educated on what all is out there. And that's where we're just trying to lay that foundation for somebody. And then also then being able to then put them in a position to get through the get into the process as far as interviewing, talking to teams, you know, look into the resume, make sure everything is, is good, giving people assistance to be prepared, you know, even those that are former players, helping them to get ready. And that's a lot of times that's a, it's a, it's a big challenge for a lot mm -hmm. of our former players. Also, also from, I work closely with our player programs department with that. And that's where helping to make sure that person is, is ready. You know, even with folks that are getting close to ending a career, thinking about it, I always tell them, make sure you're ready to move on to this next chapter, you know, understand that. And that's a, that's a big part. If you're, fully still thinking about, you know, I think I can still play for one more year, then you got to get that out of your system. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get that out of your system. So oh, man. just trying to let, per, let, Hey, let me help you. Let me help educate you on the process, what teams are looking for, what skills, you know, what experiences, how you can have an impact and how you can provide value for that opportunity. And really just laying that out with people. Uh, one of the things we did back in the fall of 2017 we created what's called the diversity fellowship program, which is a mm -hmm. full-time postgraduate opportunity for somebody to go straight from college right into a front office and get started into I a full-time position. You know? I chuckle because I tried to apply. Then I realized that my, uh, <laughs> me, me being in my forties is not, was, gonna, was not going to help. But uh, I saw that and I really thought how cool. And you guys just recently, not too long ago, had you had all the fellows together, right? Like, yeah, we like yeah, yeah. our our class. We our current class. We're in our third class of the third program. Class, okay, and uh, so we I get a chance to get together with them every couple of weeks, and uh, yeah. we actually connected today. We actually to talk, kind of have our own little holiday gathering just to talk about things as we get ready for twenty three. But 
you know, the first two classes uh, have helped lay a foundation for things because uh, we right now in the first two classes, we've had a 90 percent plus success rate of getting yeah. people into permanent jobs from that experience. And, you know, it's just f- trying to find talent, trying to make sure we can make ourselves one be as competitive as other industries as far as finding talent and, you know, having here's a position that's going to bring you in with both the salary and benefits you know, and right. trying to help alleviate some of the, the burdens that folks have to deal with sometimes, you know, internships, you know, they're great ways to get in the door. But when you have a chance to come into something that is a full time opportunity from the start, that's just a big plus for somebody to get, get going. No, and that's what you try to do as part of that. No, I'm saying you're absolutely right. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm trying to be as, uh, you know, let let the audience and I want the audience to fully know how amazing a program like this is. And this is a program probably, you know, I'm certain that that you didn't have when you were growing up. It's just such, such an amazing program. And I'm trying to give it as much praise without hating that I'm ineligible for (laughs) it because it really does. uh, You know, it hurts. It hurts my heart that I can't do it. Um, It's part of that. You know, one of the things I think back to, so we, me getting my start, you know, I owe that to Hank Aaron. He's the hall of famer and legend. He created a program called the career initiative program in Atlanta. And that was my taste of getting in the door in, in baseball. Uh, Stan Caston, also the team president of the Braves at that time. He was very instrumental as well, along with Ruby Lucas. She's the the widow of uh, Bill Lucas, who was the first black general manager who never, never officially had the title, but had that role technically with Atlanta during the years. And I, when I first joined the Braves, it was thanks to that program. I, I had no clue what a career in baseball looked like when I was graduating from the University of Maryland in 1996. I was in uh, in the fall of my last year, I was applying for different jobs that were non-sports related. And I really told myself, you know what, I've got to do something in sports. I've, I've got to find a way. And I just happened to run across a book called the Internship Bible, which actually still is in existence now <laughs> after all these years. It's on like its 10th or 11th edition. And they just happened to have a small section on sports teams in it. And I happen to see the Braves program listed in there. And I just like, I got to apply. I got to try and see what happens. Are you serious? That's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I saw, I just applied. And the back of the yeah. book. Yeah. Saw it right there in it. Then sent off the information I needed. At the time, I was actually a photographer in college also. So I was photographing a bunch of sports at the University mm-hmm. of Maryland. So um, I actually included some of my photos that I had taken from, from baseball, and basketball, crazy. things like that, into my little package that I, and this is back before we had jobs being posted. You know, it just happened. <laughs> <laughs> and here I was. Yeah, I, I graduated. I remember on graduation day, just sitting, standing there. Everybody's talking about they're going into this job or that job and how much money they're going to make and all that. And here I was. Hey, I'm going into an opportunity for six dollars an hour. And- uh, a very cool one, though. You got to be people probably was in front on the Braves. <laughs> yeah, the, the Braves were. Yeah. Very, very successful. They're not, they just won a World Series in 95. So coming yeah, in, a great organization with John Schultz as the general manager there. <laughs> Let me ask this, because oftentimes when you see an industry, any industry, I, I tend to think of um, kind of high profile industries now. And if you're looking at technology or engineering or something like that, there is a misperception that there is, quote unquote, a pipeline problem. When you talk to, you know, head. CEO of Microsoft or Google or something like that. And they're like, well, you know, we have these programs, but there still seems to be a pipeline problem. And I think research has proven, especially over the last couple of years, is there's not actually a pipeline problem. We have more black (laughs) engineers and and, and tech graduates coming more than ever. Mm -hmm. It it is kind of a 
an issue of matching qualified people with the positions and then having them be able to work together in, in a meaningful, intentional way. You are tasked with being that bridge. What have you seen? What have you found? Uh, what are you looking for for candidates, not just in the fellows program, mm-hmm. but but candidates that want to work in baseball and want to um and seem to to have the have the goods, but what what are you looking for to Matt like to say these are the people we're trying to get in organizations? Yeah, you know, I mean, a big part is hopefully somebody has they they want to they want to learn they want to maybe hopefully they've had some background related to the game in some mm-hmm. form or or softball and you know they've been you know they've seen how the game is from that perspective possibly from competing, uh, but also just if they just want to come in and learn and get a better sense. Uh, you know, the biggest part that we're dealing with, we're also competing with every other Fortune 500 company as well uh, for, for the same for the same talent. Sure. Uh, you know, really, I, I, I try to tell folks in many cases that, you know, if it's about chasing the pure dollar, then you can make more money in other industries. But there's an opportunity being part of baseball, be a part of something, be part of a, a, an organization, do something that one, you're going to get a chance to come in and learn come in and be a part of something really bigger than yourself, but also have a chance to still make a very good living for yourself and do something that you're passionate about. And you really have to be truly passionate about this game with the time, the hours that you're going to spend to be around the game. So, but just trying to make sure, uh, you know, now definitely technology has played a bigger and bigger role, you know, as far as the skill sets that we're, teams are looking for, mm-hmm. you know, not saying every role you have to have that, but it's obviously something that teams are looking for. Uh, you know, a lot of our fellows that have come through, a lot of them are just very gifted as far as been having experiences with data, you know, understanding technology. But there's all different ways you can get in the door and so many different ways. You know, uh, I'll give you a great example. Uh, we had an individual who uh uh, I'll bring him up by name. His name is Jalen Heath. He's actually presently a fellow with the Pittsburgh Pirates. He, I met him originally uh, as part of my visits. I was at the Andre Dawson Classic back mm-hmm. several years back, back in around 2018. And that's when I first connected with him during that time. Uh, he was in the process of graduating, ended up being a valedictorian of the class at Grambling University and a significant baseball player and captain of the team there. And he, he applied for our fellowship back in 2020, unfortunately, didn't get it as far as the opportunity, you know, and went into the accounting world. And I, I and, and I didn't, you know, hey, I didn't blame him. Hey, here's an opportunity for you. I stayed in touch with him, was able to help him in his first year, in his even with his new job, was able to get him helping. with. The, he went into a seasonal role working at Minute Maid Park, mm-hmm. you know, helping with some our data operations department. It just provided opportunity to be around the game and just stayed in touch with them, stayed engaged with them. And then finally, you know, our next cycle for the application went through, he applied and bam, here he was. Uh, it's funny when I was down in New Orleans for the Andre Dawson classic this year in 2022 here in February, the day I show up was the day he got hired as a fellow. by the Oh, Pittsburgh that's Bears. fantastic. So to be in front of those, uh, those young student athletes and tell them, Hey, this is somebody that just a couple of years before you, I was here talking to that person. And now here's that person getting started with their career in this opportunity. So just finding the little ways to get yourself in the door, you know, and depending on whether you're graduating in December or you're graduating in May, just finding there's little avenues. And that's where my role comes into place to try to help you. And the one thing I look at it, this is all about a journey and this journey has to start somewhere. And that's where we're trying to help 
create that opportunity for you. What is the toughest part about your job? Because it's a tough job. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're in many ways. Um, you do, and, and, and you've done this for a number of years, and you've talked about it for a number of years. And so I, I understand when you do it and understand your task, it's very easy to talk about. Sometimes uh, it makes it sound easy, but it's not. It is a very, very hard job that you have and a, and a, and, and a very large task that you have. Um, what are the biggest challenges that you face on a day-to-day? In I mean, I think it's probably one of the biggest things is- I can do as much as I can to prep somebody to get them ready, but also I don't have the power to, to mm-hmm. say yes in every, in situations, <laughs> you know, I, I, I do as much as I can. They've got to go right. through the interview process, provide, bring their best self to the, to the process and to the interview. Uh, and that's where it's, it's tough. You just so much, you want to help as many people as possible, but it's something that I don't have full control to say to put, you know, as much as I can to put a stamp of approval completely on somebody but still, they have to earn that whole process, earn that hire to get that opportunity. <laughs> no, that's a that's a that's a good point because you can't interview for them and you can't hire them, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you're just, no, I I completely completely understand. I, I, I do the best I can to try to one making sure that we're bringing people to the table and mm-hmm. make sure if I can find out, hey, truly what your what areas you're interested in, what things that we can do and assist you in that and that in finding your pathway in. Then hopefully now I can bring you to the table in front of our 30 major league clubs and give you an opportunity to know. And then even if if something's just not maybe this is not the right fit, then there's other ways that we can help you, whether it's on the business side. If you want to go into that side, whether it's you know accounting or finance, something. But obviously, each person has their own idea of what they think about the game until they fully get to understand what it's all about. And and you've worked in. You mentioned several. You mentioned what, three professional organizations prior to this job, um, and in several roles, it is every time you you start to get to a job and and you see what it's like. You might identify something, like you said, you 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 may like doing, or or even with the role that you're in, it's like starting at an advisory, but say, hey, look, I got to be more involved. How do you go about, Tyrone, making the decision of this is where I need to be? Like from Atlanta to Pittsburgh, yeah. and how how did you kind of make those personal decisions? And, and tell so people that don't understand, I've done a lot of research prior to this. But Atlanta, uh, you had a couple of roles there that you jumped because you were in Atlanta for like ten years, like a decade plus. Yeah, right? yeah, I was with and, them for eleven years. So, uh, so talk to me about kind of get the short version of yeah. kind of your career. But then, how did you make those decisions to say I'm going to move on and do do this next thing? Yeah, you know, I I started when I started with Atlanta. When I got, I remember when I got hired full time. You know, I was my internship was supposed to be just for the summer, and was very lucky uh, that I got hired a month and a half into the internship. <laughs> <laughs> it was just kind of being at the right place, right, right time. There you go. And, yeah, but also just doing the best of my job each and every day. And when that opportunity came about, I, I told myself, and I was probably very naive. I told myself I wanted to be a general manager in 15 years. <laughs> that was the one thing that I just oh, that for me like a great goal. Why would you? <laughs> why would you not do? That sounds like a fantastic goal. But continue. <laughs> yeah, I I told myself that, but as I went along, you know, one I just wanted to keep growing, learning, and whatever role I went into. And as I got closer and closer to that 15 year mark, I realized it was more about hey, am I doing something that I love to do each and every day? Do I feel valued? Am I having an impact within the organization? And then just let the, you know, everything else, it, if it had to happen, it'll happen, you know, and just um, 
you know, had several different opportunities with, you know, obviously with Atlanta, then I go over to Cleveland, go to Pittsburgh. And, you know, in Pittsburgh, I had a chance to interview to be a general manager for the very first time with uh, oh, wow. back in with the Milwaukee Brewers back in 2015. Okay. And, and it was like, I was at the time, it's funny. I was actually in Japan at the time scouting players over there for, for Pittsburgh seeing players. And I was happened to be on this big road trip. And when I found out all of a sudden, Hey, Milwaukee wants to talk to me about this opportunity. And it's like, everything in my head was just spinning and thinking about, Oh, wow, this is finally maybe happening possibly, you know? And uh, just, I just remember like 13 hour flight and, you know, coming back home and trying to get my, make sure all my ideas were together, things sure. I was thinking about and, uh, spent some time with uh, our team president at the time, Frank Coonley with the Pirates. He he gave me a, a mock interview that was probably harder than an actual actual interview. <laughs> Just going through it and uh, went through the process. You know, met with the Brewers in Los Angeles with the owner Mark Antonasio, where he's based out of, and went through it. It it didn't happen, but I, I learned a ton about myself through that mm. whole experience and going through it and. Later on, uh, once I was several, even several years into my current role, um, I had a chance to become the, I went to interview with the Milwaukee, actually with the Baltimore Orioles back in in the fall of 18. So here was my hometown team Mm -hmm. that was looking for a general manager and go through that process. And I was, I felt even better prepared as I went through the process. You know, I I had my own deck I'd put together, which I did not do the first time. I had a deck of about 40 pages that I put together, kind of giving my whole vision of what I was be doing to try to help build the organization from top to bottom and uh, went through it, but you know, it just didn't happen, but sure. it's something for that. I've learned it. I learned a ton from that, from both experiences each time. And, you know, it's crazy about that because you're talking about your journey and, and how, you know, was it always, did you always set your sights on GM and, and these are the things that are going to get me there or was it, Hey, we're going to, you know, kind of one step at a time. We're doing this. This this would be something that I'm really interested in. Uh, and then these opportunities came out because I, I've seen it both ways. I've seen folks set goals and say, this is where I want to be at, at this, you know, at this yep. job and everything I did. Was it always in the back of your mind through your career about GM or, you know, or it, it was, it was, all, it was always in my head to some degree, yeah. but I always thought about, let me take care of the task I've got in front of me first and foremost. Absolutely. So how, what can I do to do my job to the best that I can do? When I became a scout, how can I go about doing my job each and every day to try to find players for our organization? Going through that whole process, doing that. You know, you know, when I went back into the front office, hey, what can I do to help us win? You know, even when I went to Pittsburgh, you know, I got there. We lost my first year in Pittsburgh. We lost 105 games. I don't wish that on anybody. You know, after all the success we had in Atlanta where we were sure. – they won 14 straight division titles, and I was there for some of those battling uh, Pittsburgh. Of those, you know, <laughs> and to I truly appreciated how we were able to put that organization in Pittsburgh, you know, back on the map as far as far as the winning culture and creating things there and understanding that element. So it was more about hey, let me take care of the task I have in front of me, but also let me make sure I'm rounding out my skills and building out things for me personally to make me a better person, a better leader you know, going forward. And if that time does happen, hopefully people will recognize it throughout the industry. Let me switch gears a little bit and, and ask you this. And it's uh, oftentimes, especially as you excel through a career and you excel through, uh, excel in a career that kind of more advanced you get, the less people of color you see, the less, you know, diversity or women, can, like the less you see. Mm-hmm. 
what was it? What is it about? Because a lot of folks, I will say this, a lot of folks will accept, you know, accept what you're seeing as mm. it is and kind of just say, OK, this is how things are. Clearly, that is not the case for you because you have made it your mission and job to change how those rooms look, to bring up a next generation of black and brown and women people to walk the path that you've walked. So that's a credit to you. It's a credit to your character. But how did you navigate oftentimes being the only black face in a room and having to excel and stand out and do all the things that you do to be in the position that you're in? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I look at, you know, one, I was just going to one, be myself, you know, be as authentic as I can, you know, one, continue to build relationships throughout every place that I was working, but also throughout the industry as a whole. Uh, you know, that was just one thing I, I didn't know. I had no clue about maybe the idea of what networking really was when I was mm. in college or anything like that. But Later on, just getting a feel and understanding people, getting the, to meet people and, and meet them where they are, you know, as one element. You know, we have we have a huge task ahead of us uh, when you look just in general, when you know, coming through the pipeline. You know, and this is where I, I give a lot of credit to my boss. His name is Michael Hill, senior mm-hmm. vice president for on-field operations with this. And he's tasked with overseeing everything that we're doing from a DEI perspective within the baseball operations side. So, you know, it's part of the work that I'm involved with here at the lower levels of getting people in the door, building that foundation. And then we recently just created a program called MLB university, which is going to allowing us to have individuals that have now been in it for, you know, five, six years, five to seven years that had some, have some experience now helping them provide some extra tools for them to build their network. In addition to maybe providing extra skills that they maybe have not had access to. And that's an important element as you're making your way navigating, you know, are you getting access to understanding about contracts, understanding how trades are made? Are you involved in salary arbitration, understanding, you know, how a contract is being put together? You know, those are important elements that you have to get exposure to, to help yourself to make your way. And and then also, you know, it takes someone else also recognizing, you know, that talent that you Mm -hmm. do have to help you to give that push. You know, our office is trying to help do that as well, provide that landscape and an area for somebody to continue to learn and grow. But it's something that it's it's a huge, huge task. But the one thing you have to do is have that willingness and have that growth mindset. Hey, what else can I add to my to my my toolbox that can help me moving forward to put myself in the best position possible going forward? No, absolutely. And and just hearing what you're saying, uh, it, it shows uh, your authenticity. And it shows that, again, easier easier said than done to walk into rooms, rooms that may be uncomfortable and be your authentic self. But you have tend to, uh, it seems that you have mastered that. And, and it's awesome that you are teaching kind of the next generation to do that. Because I do think that that's what bring that's the value that a lot of young people bring, right? That's like, if they're going to be like everyone else, they're going to be treated like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that is that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what okay. aspect also cheats is also just making sure that our leaders understand, you know, how much we can help them as far as just understanding, hey, there's there's value in a diversity of thought and people coming from different backgrounds, have different perspectives. 
and just trying to lay that foundation also for people to have that kind of a, a mindset also, which is absolutely important. It's 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 obviously not the easiest thing, but it's something that we're continuing to try to build out. Overall. No, and you know, and you know what it is, and it and it's kind of at this point, twenty twenty two, it's heavily documented, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not just baseball, but it's in every industry. If you look at um, yep. every you know corporate settings to to creative settings, the team that they win, the the first thought wins. Mm-hmm. And so they have the idea of uh, trying to convince people at this point. It's 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 almost like uh, kind of like a no brainer in many ways. But it's like try, which you're exactly right. You often have to convince leadership. That's like, look at the makeup of this team that's winning all the time. <laughs> what do they have that we don't have? And usually it's a it's a the di- diversity of thought. And if we can convince people the right way, uh, I think you're exactly right on that. Uh Mr. Brooks, Tyrone, it's been, let me get you out here on a couple, look, on a couple of easy ones for, (laughs) they're easy for me. They might be hard for you, but uh, I do want to ask, and I ask everyone this, and I love this question. Now, I don't know when you, when you were a player, if you were a pitcher or a, uh, uh, or, or, or a field field player, position Position. player, there you go. Great. This is perfect then, because as a position player, living or dead, you have the ability to face any pitcher of all time, who do you want to face and why? Ooh, that's a that's a really good question. I've had yeah. some crazy answers, by yeah. the way, some crazy ones. Man, I I would, you know, back it during the eighties, you know, Doc Gooden, that the curveball, man, yeah. Eight, man. 1985 Gooden. Oh, it's a great man, one. I would have. That would have been like a just a dream scenario to try to to try to face someone that good and talented during that stretch that he had during his time, especially there with the Mets. I mean, just to see that, you know, you watch footage now and you like look back and like, and it's like you have to appreciate just the break of his curveball. I mean, the right. drop of that thing, just and then just the stuff and how he could just just dominate a game, you know, just to for me that he would be my person that I would be thinking about as far as uh, someone that I would have loved to face during during, during that era. <laughs> That's also that's a good answer. That's not a crazy. I've heard so many Bob Gibsons <laughs> that I was like, "Are you guys mad? What are you doing?" And they were like, "I've seen enough. I've seen enough video to be like, you yeah. don't want to face Bob Gibson." Everybody's right. like, "I want to see it." Um, and this is this is actually an appropriate question for you. Don't get in any trouble, but mm-hmm. I ask everybody this, so I'm going to try to keep it uh, keep it uniformed here. Uh, waving magic wand, and tomorrow you are commissioner of baseball. I laugh because I've read articles that said you may be commissioner of baseball one day. <laughs> Uh, wave a magic wand, and today you're uh, you're commissioner of baseball. You have to change one thing about the game. What do you change? Wow, that's uh, that's a really tough one, there. You know, uh, <laughs> it's tougher I, I think, for you. Yeah. I could be like, oh man, I, I could make everything. I, you, I, you- I, I think a huge part of what even we're trying to do now is try to just make sure that the pace of the game is sped up and continue. You know, I, I think more and more younger folks that are coming into the game, or just just in general. You know, they're used to things being very, you know, quick, you know, and having, you know, <laughs> that that attention span of maybe even a little bit shorter to some degree, maybe. But I think what the work that's being done to try to speed up the game, because I mean, literally, games have gone from three hours to this year testing in the minor leagues to being two and a half. So mm-hmm. coming up with the new pitch clock that's going to be in place in 23, you know, that's something that you know, ideally with that, that's going to help continue just to have the game being sped up, but obviously still enjoying the experience of, you know, me, I still love going to a baseball game and having that opportunity 
to and just enjoy the, the aspects of being at a ballpark, you know, having a hot dog, you know, enjoying the game, watching it, watching the action unfold. Uh, so it's, it's going to be interesting how we move going forward, including, you know, now with the shift being uh, being taken away. Sure. You know, that's going to be interesting, too, just to see. You know, I came in also into an era when I went, especially when I joined the Pirates, where we started doing a ton of shifting during that era. And that kind of led to continued, you know, use of the shift throughout. And just to see what kind of effect that does have going forward, if that just increases the offense in the game. I'm going to let you slide. And I'll tell you <laughs> what, Alec, I'll tell you why. Because of course, we want the game to be faster. Is there something that you would do to make the game faster? No, I, I think a lot of it has already been right. That was like happening. you know, it's, it's, instead of four, instead of four balls, three. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, I yeah. I also chuckle because uh, you were talking about uh, youth games and and the speed of yeah. those games. Those games are faster. But I have an eight year old. If you've ever seen an eight year old kid pitch game, <laughs> there's a pace to this that is. Oh better. yeah, I I know exactly. I, I have a daughter. <laughs> Who she was playing baseball from like ages like from like eight oh. to ten. So I know that and then I have a son who's he'll be eight coming up. He's playing right now. So yeah, I know it was like what I've seen there. There's some there's some slowdown there. There's some walking. Um all right. Uh as we move on, move on. That was a good one. Uh, who is now you've already mentioned your love for Eddie Murray, and Eddie Murray is a cool, cool individual, cool cat. I know he's your hero growing up, but would you say if you had to pinpoint a player today that you think could usher in a wave of fandom for black players, young black kids, who who would you point to? Who would you say you're for an eight-year-old kid, you should be watching this guy? For me, I, I have to really think about Mookie Betts. I think yep. with him, because of it just shows you, you, know, you don't have to be 6'3". You don't have to be 6'4". You can be five nine five ten and you can have a long career in this game and be productive and just use your natural athleticism that you may have and also just you know come in learn the game and just the way he's able to to do so many different things well uh is, is something that i just really enjoy watching and I, I think any kid that's should better look at him and say you know what i can do this too when i can see he's making catches in the outfield He's hitting balls, getting hits, getting home, hitting home runs, timely hits, being a clutch player, steal a base when he needs to. You know, those are the kind of things I think any kid should hopefully gravitate toward and see that, you know what, I can do this also. No, I think he's a great answer. I think he's also a great example for, for young people. I think back, obviously, this year, the All-Star game, uh, Mickey Betts is – in LA and, and he's he's encouraging more black people to come to the stadium and, and doing it in a way that uh for for me to watch it and say this is this is not only one of the biggest players in the game, but he is encouraging, you know, letting folks know that we want you here and you're welcome here. And I I really don't know. You're somebody that's been in a uh a, in a front office of several organizations I don't even know if that's top of mind. Like I know it's top of mind to sell tickets. I know it's top of mind to, to get, you know, the community involved in supporting the club, but I wonder, is it top of mind uh, for, for enough clubs to say, how do we kind of specifically say we want diversity in the stadium? Is that something that clubs think about? You think? I, I think clubs themselves in general are, are looking, Hey, what can we do to make sure we cater to as many different you know, a different audience throughout, you know, mm -hmm. throughout the year and finding ways to do so, you know, whether it's 
you're having an HBCU night or something mm-hmm. you're having at your, say you're in Atlanta or some other other cities, you know, different things you can do to engage to make sure people feel one, you want to feel represented and that, hey, you're thinking about me. I see myself also represented on that on that field, on that diamond. You know, that's a huge element of that. But, you know, I, I think everybody's looking for ways to make sure we can bring more people to to the to the game. You know, I remember even a couple of years ago, some things that were that were mentioned as far as getting more kids, you know, to the ballparks and seeing certain clubs have had some really great promotions to do that, help make sure kids are getting access to the game. That's so important. I think as much as we can do uh, to do that, and also a lot of our different you know, MLB academies, which different clubs are involved in operating in addition to the ones that we are involved with in, in New Orleans and, and Compton, you know, finding ways to make sure those kids get a chance to see closely you know, what's out there for them and understand further about, Hey, this is, there's an opportunity for me and I can be part of this also. Absolutely. What would you like to see? I know at this point it's almost, um, I don't know. I, I, maybe I should ask, but I, I, I kind of almost feel like it's almost odd at this point for someone like yourself to quote unquote set goals. Uh, but I do know that you probably have, goals, visions, or ideally 5, 10, 15 years down the road, what you would like to see from the work that you're doing with the, with the pipeline. Say five years from now, 10 years from now, what are, what are some of the things you would like to have seen based off of the work that you're doing now? Yeah, I think a big part is just one, continuing to see individuals get into leadership roles, continue to make strides, making progress. Uh, we had our very first member of our fellowship class this year in 22 was the first, first person to become a director. And, uh, you know, Albert Gilbert, who's with the Rockies, he was with the Dodgers originally through the fellowship program, went to the Rockies to be a director of baseball operations for them. So that was a, like another first for us. And we're going to, we're going to have a series of firsts happening continually. But the biggest thing is having folks getting into an opportunity to grow and then seeing, you know, it, it just doesn't happen overnight. You know, it, it as I mentioned earlier, it, it took me basically almost 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I was I go like a little bit less than that to go through the interview process to become a general manager. You know, it, it just it takes time. You have to continue. You have to pay your dues and obviously put in the work and then also one continue to be building relationships, both within your organization, people that are recognizing the work that you're doing there. They see each and every day, but also you're building relations with people throughout the industry as a whole and sort of building a, you know, a reputation for yourself going forward. So it's, it's, it's something that you now, even from a, from a player perspective, you know, everybody, you know, we'll talk about, Hey, this is what the percentage is right now, as far sure. as players in the big leagues, but it doesn't happen overnight. Tony Regan's and the group that we have, the work that they're doing each and every day, it's every year we're seeing new, new, new things happen. And you look at this past year's draft, you know, for the first I talk, we talk about it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Players of color, and yep. just to have that—that that, that's a huge, another really great feat to happen. You know, that's things that are things are happening in a positive manner. Things are happening going forward. So uh, that's all we have to do is keep pushing forward and keep adding whatever we can, other additional resources, things that we can make it so we can continue to see progress happen. Tyrone, I'm going to get you out of here on this one. This is a completely. Uh, Personal question, and don't worry. Tell Major League Baseball not to worry. You're not you're, you're not going anywhere. You've been doing this job for a while now. You're doing a fantastic job. But it, it look, it, I'm, I'm going to ask you, if you had a choice between one, based off of our conversation, do you pick GM or Commissioner of Baseball? 
I, I would I, I'd have to pick the, the commissioner role. Just you have ah, little, uh, <laughs> just go to the top. Go to the top. Yeah, yeah. Be GM of everyone. <laughs> no, nah, the commissioner is doing a great job and the work he's doing and, and the staff he has around him. That's 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 tremendous. So, but that would be you know just a a chance to really uh, you know build a legacy and how we're continue to grow the game and also just continue to, to make strides throughout all different aspects of our game going forward. It's it's a, obviously a huge task that the commissioner is dealing with with that role, uh, but obviously you, and you're trying to do as much as you can. Obviously, you can't make everybody happy, but you have to do the best you can to uh, keep pushing the game forward. Well, look, I appreciate your time. I'm going to get you out of here on this. You are actually pretty active on social media. Tell everybody where they can follow you and learn all the things that you're doing and see them like I see them. Yeah, yeah, very much. It's very much so. Uh, You know, definitely the opportunity to get in front of people, use social media. Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, You'll see me under under Tyrone Brooks. You also can look me up and look up my group, the Baseball Industry Network. You can also find me on Twitter uh, at tbrooksbin, which is the Baseball Industry Network. So uh, we have over 40,000 members in the Baseball Industry Network. So hoping they continue to provide an opportunity for people to get one step closer to where they want to get to, uh, but also just being a part of our great game and the great relationships that we're able to build with people throughout. So uh, glad to, to be a part of this, and thank you so much for the invite. No, thank you so much for taking the time. This is Tyrone Books, Major League Baseball. His title is too long for me to go through all of it, but uh, please look him up on social media. Uh, it is truly, truly an honor and a pleasure to spend some time with you. So thank you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mixtape Talk, another episode in the books. I am excited, excited, excited about where we're going in 2023. So make sure you follow Uh, Black Baseball Mixtape everywhere, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Until next time, we see it. Right, right, right. Uh, Right. Buster Rhymes exclusive with Johnny. Each and every day, we gonna come around your way and do it our way. Word is love.